With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Pulse of Portland, a public affairs program of KKPZ with Paul Van Sickle. Thank you for listening to KKPZ 1330 The Truth. I'm Paul Van Sickle. This is The Pulse of Portland. And... We are finishing up January, which is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and there are several organizations that we've talked to in the past and even more organizations here in our city that are dealing with the issue and the ever-growing issue and problem of human trafficking. And there are so many different facets to this problem and so many different ways that people can get involved and can help uh, in so many different levels. And we're talking today with Jennifer Unangst, and she is with Compassion First and also the House of Engedi. And Jennifer is here today to tell us about a special event that's coming up as well as sharing with us her story and how we can get involved with what Compassion First is doing here in our city and around the world. So, Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, first talk a little bit about Human Trafficking Awareness Awareness Month and what it is that you guys at Compassion First are doing on Thursday night. Yeah, so we want to utilize Human Trafficking Awareness Month every year to raise um, much-needed awareness. And so this Thursday, um, January 29th, at 6.30, from 6.30 to 8.30 at the Compassion First headquarters, we are having um, a documentary screening on a, a documentary called In Plain Sight, and it's produced by Natalie Grant. It's um, such an awesome film because it, it, it really speaks on the hope um, the, and how the church is rising up to make such a big difference for these girls across the nation. And so it's a story of hope. It's not depressing or gloomy or scary, but it's just, it shows what God is doing. And so um, it's just a great film. And so we're also doing a, a panel discussion where we will have uh, retired Sergeant Mike Geiger on the panel, uh, uh, Dr. Dean and Sarah Mashofsky, who are on the board of Compassion First and also oversee their, ca- their clinic- clinical care. And then um, Esther Craig Nelson, who is a former SARC advocate, will also be on the panel. And that's a fantastic way for people to go to to learn about what's happening, uh, not just in the movie form, which will present you know several stories, but also then with the, with the call to action of what's happening here locally yes. and how people can get involved and and really what the biggest issues are that are facing us here in in Portland because it's it, there's a lot happening here in Portland that people probably don't r- realize. Right? Yeah, Portland does have a huge problem. You know, I first learned about Compassion First at the uh, Connect PDX event, mm-hmm. which was put on by Abolition and Now and, and some others where there was all these different organizations that, that dealt with all the different facets. And so it is amazing how the the church is rising up to respond and 
and really take on this issue head on of human trafficking. And Jennifer, I want to talk to you specifically before we talk more about what Compassion First is all about and what you guys do. Talk about your story, because I always ask people, no matter what organization they're with, how did you get started? How did you come to be in this organization? But your story is is especially touching. So why don't you please share with us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's so neat how there, there is a story behind um, how everybody got involved. But um, my story does have a lot to do with the church rising up. And, and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for um, um, my mom, who, who ended up becoming a Christian after a, a pretty much a childhood filled with abuse, who led me to the Lord. But So I grew up in San Diego in a, an abusive household, and my dad was a severe alcoholic. And he sexually abused my sister and I for about 14 years. And I remember him, um, he brought such a darkness to the home that I remember having very vivid dreams of hell and hearing demonic voices at one time or another. And I, it wasn't a hallucination. It was, um, I remember hearing um, not just one voice, but there were many voices. And so he really brought a darkness to, the, to my home. And so it's like I'm being sexually abused, abused in other ways, plus this this darkness, the, my childhood was really scary. So with that abuse, I remember as a little girl feeling alone, unlovable, unworthy. I felt ugly and dirty. And, I mean, that's just a little... I remember around eight years old just really thinking that. And I remember screaming out to God and crying, why is this happening to me and why are you letting this happen? Um, and then I ended up being sexually abused by two other people mm-hmm. in my childhood. So it just seemed relentless. I felt like I had something on my, a sign on my head that said abuse me because I just seemed to fall into it. Um, Let's see. Um, So I know at the time I was suffering from PTSD. And so during my teen years, I start spiraling out of control because I'm trying to deal with the, the pain and the PTSD. And so my freshman year in high school, I'm introduced to methamphetamine, mm. and that just oh, really destroyed all my teen years because it was the first time that um, all those those feelings were numbed. And that and, was as a freshman in high school, right? You're like fourteen, right? Fifteen years old. Holy cow! Okay. Yeah. And so the meth was all I wanted, and so um, I quickly was homeless. I left home. I was in a foster home for a short time. Um, that didn't work out. So I was kind of in and out of friends, staying with friends. And then finally I was living in cars, parks. I started using drugs intravenously um, where most kids are going to school and um, going to dances. I'm out on the street. Mm. So oftentimes I would um, find hotels to live in that were cockroach infested because this is in San Diego. And, um I ate out of dumpsters, um, just got, you couldn't get any lower. So after years of living in motels and parks, and I finally started dabbling in the sex industry to pay for my drugs. And so I ended up selling myself to a biker because I needed to pay for a hotel one night. And so that just was another year of abuse where he kept me in a hotel. And so it was just like never-ending abuse from mm-hmm. a little girl on all the way through my teens. It's so sad how some of these girls who are um, sexually abused, it's like we continue to 
live that lifestyle because we think that's all we deserve, and it's just such a lie. Mm. And so there were many times where I tried to commit suicide. I cut myself. I OD'd on drugs a few times. I had eating disorders. And so just such an awful identity that I carried and all that pain. Um, So that's when my mom had started going to church, and she found me. I was actually a missing person for a year. She found me, and she gave me a phone number, and she said, if you want to get help, to call this number. And it was a program called Bethany House. It was a program just like House of Engedi and um, what Compassion First does in Indonesia, and it's a long-term care facility for girls who are prostitutes, drug addicts, um, sex trafficking. And so... I remember going there because I didn't have a choice. I mean, I was in a lot of trouble and um, wasn't going to live much longer if I didn't. But I remember walking in this place, so a lifetime of darkness and abuse. I walk into this house where there is so much love and joy on everybody's face, and I'm just embraced with God's love. And it it almost hit me like I could feel the darkness go away as soon as I walked in the door, and it... I remember the aroma being different, the colors, the smells, the tea, everything was, um, this was a supernatural experience. So right then it just, I knew that there was a God. I actually gave my life to the Lord the next day. And it was because of that, um, those people that completely changed my life. It was their love. But what I also learned there is that I'm not, I wasn't that identity that I carried. That the Bible told me that I'm a child of God. And Zephaniah says that I'm delighted in, and I'm forgiven, I'm washed clean. Galatians says I'm free, I'm adopted into God's family, and um, uh, 1 Corinthians says I'm a saint. Just learning all these things, or God says I'm a masterpiece in Ephesians. This, this is something so beautiful from God's heart that we want to be able to, you know, tell the girls that we work with, and it's just so life-changing. And so how old were you when your mom gave you that phone number and, and you were able to call and get into the Bethany house? I was 18. Wow. So I was able to um, get on my feet. I went to beauty school and I became a, a nail technician. And so I did nails for 20 years. And um, so yeah, I, my life wasn't perfect because I still had a lot of trauma, but yeah. I overcame just the unimaginable. And you were explaining the, the difference that you felt, which, you know, to be such so young and to have, you know, with the demonic presences that you felt and, you know, crying out to God and, and being in that space to be that sensitive to this, you know, kind of the spirit world and what was going on with that to then feel the, the presence of God, you know, what was that like? And even now looking back to being the girl crying out to God, why is this happening to then experiencing that love right away? What, you know, what was that like? Yeah, I, I was really sensitive to the, the spiritual realm, um, especially as a little girl. I, I mean, I really knew it was evil. I don't know how I would know yeah. there were demons or devil or why would I dream that if I'd never seen a movie about it, no one had ever told me. Um, but I was really sensitive to that. And I became very rebellious as a teen and I ended up even studying witchcraft and reading the Satanic Bible because I, was, I had so much self-hatred and disgust. Mm. And then to be introduced to a God who loves me, and I've watched God completely heal me. Um, I can't tell you how much faith that, you know, that builds. Yeah. Wow. We're talking with Jennifer Unangst. 
and this is uh, Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And uh, she went on to start after having this experience and later on. Talk about starting the House of Engedi. Yeah. Yeah, so 2012, I attended um, Cornerstone School of Ministry in Corvallis. And it was there where I heard one statistic on sex trafficking in Portland. And I was so moved. I remember my eyeballs got big. And, and I, I heard a voice. It wasn't a voice, audible voice, but saying that um, I was to start a home for uh, adult survivors of sex trafficking. My, my eyes got big, and I picked up my phone, and I texted my husband. And um, he said, yeah, sure. <laughs> so it was, it was uh, amazing to watch God, how he just pulled everything together. And I spent about six months doing research and talking with law enforcement, other agencies, to see if what I was doing was, an, there, if there was a need. And I found out there wasn't one home in the state that provided long-term um, clinical care for survivors, which is what they need, because we're dealing with complex trauma, and these girls, I, I tell people sometimes that the story I told you about my childhood was actually Disneyland, because um, mm. I wasn't trafficked, and I wasn't forced to sleep with men night after night, or, you know, hour after hour, night after night, and so um, I compare my story, it's like Disneyland compared mm. to some of their... Even going just what, what you went through and, and, like you said, hearing these stories, were you su- surprised initially at how, how expansive the problem was? And then were you surprised that there wasn't any, any care? Yes, exactly. That's the six months of research and finding that out, how Portland um, has a huge problem. And then finding out there was no aftercare facility for girls over 18. There's great um, domestic violence shelters, but... There's just really specific care, and it's really complex for a girl who's been, you know, raped night after night. It's just, it's very complex. Just recently, we um, were able to merge our organization, House of Engedi, with our friends, Compassion First, who are located in Portland. And they are an international agency, so they have a long-term aftercare facility in Indonesia. And so we are coming together to, and we're just launching our our uh, local initiatives together. So we're really excited and we have some amazing things planned. We're talking with Jennifer Unangst here on the Pulse of Portland on KKPZ 1330 The Truth. I'm Paul Van Sickle. Jennifer is with House of Engedi. She started the House of Engedi as well as with Compassion First. They have a special event to finish off uh, Human Trafficking Awareness Month on Thursday, January 29th. That's this Thursday in the evening, which is going to include the film in plain sight as well as a panel discussion on human trafficking, including retired Sergeant Mike Geiger. Uh, uh, Dr. Dean and Sarah Mashofsky and former Sark advocate uh, Esther Nelson after the documentary. And, and Jennifer, tell us more about what this partnership between House Mangetti and Compassion First is looking like and, and what's what's now happening with you guys merging. So um, we're, we're launching our initiatives in phases together, um, our local initiatives. And so we're developing this, this awesome volunteer teams. And so we are putting together a prayer team. We have a child care team for survivors who might need child care when they're attending counseling. We're starting a mentorship program, and uh, Sergeant Mike Geiger will be involved in training. And we have um, a team where we will help put together clothing for emergencies and food, research. We have resource drives and then awareness events and providing transportation for survivors. Um, Another thing we're doing, which is really awesome, 
We just got eight local survivors off the ground into shelters across the nation that we have partnered with. And they're doing so good, and it's so neat to get letters and emails back from the girls saying how good they're doing. So we're getting them in long-term care facilities while we mm-hmm. await House of Engetti's reopening. Wow, so you were actually able to partner with uh, other other cities and other places that have long-term care for the people that uh, were being helped here so they could continue to get help while you guys are restructuring. Right, and there's so few of these programs that um, a lot of the uh, girls do come from other states. Wow, yeah, and again, the fact that there isn't more more of this, and hopefully you guys are starting and putting something in place that uh, you know other people are going to latch onto the idea and, and be able to duplicate other places as well. So what are some of the things then that people listening to this interview can can do to help? If, if they're touched by what they, what they have heard, if they're moved in any way, what, what is it that you guys need from the community? Yeah, so hopefully um, listeners will be able to come Thursday night and hear more Um, Some of the things that we really need right now, we're raising uh, some funds for the cost of traveling and flying these girls to programs. So those costs include airfare, hotel, taxi, food. Some of the other things that we need is um, go phones for the girls that are on the street. So that's like emergency prepaid phones or hotel vouchers, gift cards for groceries. Some of the girls have food and they need to feed their kids. They don't have money. Um, Bus passes. We need funds for counseling services for girls that don't have organ organ health plan. Um, we might need to pay for prescription medicine. So those are some of the things that um, are our needs right now. Okay, definitely funny. How can people contribute? How do they get a hold of you? How, how do they get involved? Yeah, well, you would go to our website. It's www.compassionfirst.org. And you can get all our information and our contact information through there. Excellent. And, and tell us more about um, the event again happening on Thursday. Um, who who should come? Who are you hoping comes to this event? I'm hoping everyone comes. Mm-hmm. And uh, one another awesome thing about the film is it's rated PG, so I would love to see high schoolers attend. So mm-hmm. if you have a daughter, even a son, I would highly recommend this film. Um, I know I heard a, a pimp say once that he calls schools a... Um, a buffet because he can go into school and pick and choose who he wants. And so wow. they're, they're picking these girls in schools. They're picking them at the mall. And so it happens right here in Portland. It's, it's really important that people come and learn. So that'd be great for churches to get youth groups yeah. together and involved to learn, to come as a small group together, a Bible study group that could come out to this. And where is the Compassion First located for people that are going to come on a Thursday night? Yeah, we're in Beaverton. It's 1500 Northwest 167th place. And you can also find that on our website. Um, you could also Google Compassion First events and you'll find this event um, on Google. Can you share with us, Jennifer, some of the the transformation stories um, you've shared with us your own, which was so incredible that it was so instantaneous yeah. how you felt God move. Um, it, has there been other things like that that you've seen with some of these other girls or yeah. even some of the ones that take even a little longer? But, but what what are what is the effect that these long term care programs are having on the girls that you're helping? Yes, I've seen such amazing things. And, and it's not even. Um, 
not even just the long-term care facilities, but just coming alongside these girls and loving on them. Mm. I've seen them grow so much. Um, I've even, I had a, was blessed to have one of the girls live with me for a while. And to see her change from beginning to end is just unbelievable. Um, she wasn't even the same person, and never do, I, never do I read the Bible to her. I don't ask her if she wants to go to church. It's all just by how we act is, is really what, what makes such a big change. And one of the gals that we recently sent to a long-term care facility is just doing so well. She's um, sent me an email recently that she gets to go to the beach and that she has her own room, and I've actually never heard so much hope in her. Mm-hmm. She's a completely different person. I've known her for two years, and um, I'm just so blessed by watching her heal. And it's I think one of the things that people probably don't grasp, especially in the Christian community, especially people that have grown up in, in church their whole lives or haven't had, uh, you know, we've all had dark moments, but but not as dark as this to where the people that haven't experienced the love of Christ and haven't experienced love of any kind for so long to when they're hit like you were with, you know, an overwhelming sense of Christians who really can just exude the love of Christ and how powerful just that being the love of Christ is to people who haven't experienced that. That's something that I think a lot of us don't understand how transformational just that aspect can be. And I know that that's why I'm here. The program I went to didn't have this extensive um, therapy. It was mostly the love of the Lord and, Mm -hmm. and by their love and so. All right, Jennifer, it, just a final thing, too, for people that maybe aren't able to attend or as they're, as they're going through and uh, listening to this, or maybe they are able to attend, um, and how we have put out there the call for the funds and the resources that you guys need, but what are some things that people can also pray for on a daily basis? Um, pray for the girls that we serve and um, pray for our organization for protection. Hmm. Um, I think that's that's the number one. Praying for protection. Yeah. Explain that a little bit. Yeah. Well, and obviously in this industry, this is Satan's playground. Mm. And so an organization like this or like any that works um, in the sex industry rescuing girls, I definitely need prayer for um, demonic attacks and that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, because he, you know, Satan's playground, that, yeah. that's a perfect, um, you know, example of, of what what really this this is. And it's a, it's a horrible, horrible thing. It's happening all over the world and happening here right at home. And we wanted to make sure to bring awareness to that um, for Human Trafficking Awareness Month, as well as, you know, throughout the years, as we talk to different organizations. Jennifer Unanks was our guest today from Compassion First and the House of Engedi. And Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your story and for uh, then being able to to not only transform people by your transforming story but being back involved on on the ground floor on the level with these girls and being able to turn your experience into something that you can help others with god's really using you in a powerful way and that's amazing thank you so much once again uh, compassion first 
Dot org is the website that uh, we encourage you to go to compassionfirst.org there is a donate button there as well as all the different ways that you can volunteer pray and be involved and we encourage you once again to go to the special presentation on Thursday night where they're having a panel discussion with uh, different people that are collaborating and are involved in, in human trafficking efforts here in the area and to watch the documentary and and the movie that is put together by natalie grant um called in plain sight and again that is this thursday at the compassion headquarters compassion first headquarters in beaverton and what time does that start at jennifer starts at 6 30 and also the compassion first headquarters is also the Luis palau headquarters so we're in the same building Excellent. Thank you so much for taking time to join us today. Uh, We hope everyone come out and we look forward to talking with you again throughout the year, not just in Human Trafficking Awareness Month to get continued updates on on the progress you guys are making and the needs that you have and how we as the body of Christ here in Portland can, can help lift you up. Thank you. This has been the Pulse of Portland with Paul Van Sickle. Email comments, questions, and topic ideas to publicaffairs at kkpz.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.